0: Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Little Better. It's great to have you listening or watching to us. Um, Aaron is on vacation. We kicked him out. And believe it or not, as we kicked Aaron out, we got a whole lot smarter because I have Dr. Mark with me. Dr. Mark, great to have you here Thank with you us today. Much. Thank right, you. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Great to have you. And man. What a crazy Sunday. We we kind of navigated some significant waters and it's been wild and it's crazy. And um, I, I, can you just take a second and introduce yourself to us? Tell us about your family. Tell us what you do and how you got there. How long you've been coming to Northridge Church? Sure,
0: absolutely. No, thank you. Um, so my name is Mark Oldham. I'm a psychiatrist here at Strong Memorial Hospital. So a little bit about me and my family. Um, I'm married. Uh, my My wife is named Mary. We have two kids. Uh, one six and ones four It's Seth and uh, Audrey actually Seth would want you to know he is six and a half um every every half matters is what I understand at this age yeah so yeah so we um we have been in Rochester for just over three years maybe three three and a half years um, we are originally from Florida so this is not our weather um, although actually technically the last week or so it's been a little bit more Florida like but but there's that. So yes, yeah, so we were there. We were in Boston for a couple of years, in Connecticut and New Haven for a couple of years. Yeah, now we're here. And I think um, ultimately we are we were essentially planted in uh, in Rochester. And I guess one other thing I'll say is, yeah, specifically, what do I do in psychiatry? I mean, psychiatry can be kind of um, yeah, kind of difficult to understand. There are a lot of different facets. So I do something called consultation liaison psychiatry. Um, used to be called psychosomatic medicine, but we kind of left that term. Um, historically a couple of years ago and essentially it's the practice of psychiatry in the context of complex and acute medical and surgical illness so I work in the hospital as a consultant and so um, kind of people in medically admitted uh, in the ICU and other other places but again kind of practicing um, mental health care
1: in that setting Right. And I'll translate that for everybody. The guy's a genius. And we're honored to have you here today just to kind of give us that full perspective, the medical side of depression. But before we like dive into depression, man, I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. What is all those things above your head? Right. Like, are those books? What are they? You got a bunch of little things. I I just I got to know. Like, what what are those yeah no absolutely
0: so those are that's my old school cd collection i mean those things called cds like you know people, people don't have cds these days but so i i don't know we probably have some skillet up there uh i don't know dc talk jars of clay um what else do we have uh dave crowder uh i don't know um uh Let's see here. There's probably some ska up there. My wife used to listen to ska. Okay. MXPX, a little punk rock. I don't know.
1: All, all old school CDs, man. They don't make it like that anymore. All right. If you got to pick one, one yeah. you listen to, which one are you going for? Oh, my goodness.
0: Probably Jesus Freak. Okay. Probably DC Talk. Honestly, that that one and Jars of Clay. Those were, honestly, like the first two CDs that I that I that I think I really just really, I don't know. I, I connected with that music. That was something
1: like that's, I don't know. I think those are, those are classics, but DC talk, Jesus freak. I think so. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's my alley. When I was growing up, those were the songs that I was listening to. And for all our younger listen listeners, a CD is a round thing that mm-hmm. you put yep. in and played. It's kind of like yeah. an iPod. Now it does kind of the same thing, just so everybody exactly. understands our childhood and how we grew exactly. up.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> Completely true.
1: All right. So let's dive in, man. We talked, we talked about depression and depression is yeah. dark. And and just to celebrate a little bit, I didn't even get the chance to tell you this. Um, you know, I haven't seen all the results, but I had some staff people reach out to me. Uh, we've had over 150 people um, go to I want that info and getting resources for depression. So obviously it's a pretty relevant topic um, that people are struggling right now. And it's, I think it's important that we have these dialogues. I am, I, I think it's important that we don't shy away from these topics And so my first question is in your role at your job, as you look at the mind, how does your faith kind of play in that role as you try to help people who struggle with some of these topics? Oh, sure. That's a good question. Um,
0: so maybe, maybe I could take a step back and kind of say, kind of, how did my faith play into the decision to go into psychiatry? Maybe I think that might set this up nicely. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was, yeah when I was um, originally in undergrad, I mean, I knew I loved science, I knew I loved math, I knew I loved that kind of idea. But um, yeah, I was thinking about engineering, my grandfather was like, you know, probably not, that doesn't look like it's for you, you're not, you're not enjoying it. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) So (laughs) we had nobody in medicine in my entire family, we did, honestly, and he was the only person who had gone to college in my entire family, and he was a CPA, and just a solid guy, just a just a, a really solid in the faith too, um, and and he was and he suggested he like, what about psychiatry? And I was like, I never, I mean, I heard of psychiatry, I didn't know what psychiatry was, and it was it was in in my mind, I was like, that sounds interesting. And he's like, yeah, I mean, there's you know, you have the body, you have the mind, and you have the spirit. Like you know, you kind of have those three things. And I don't know, something about that just captivated me, mm-hmm. like from a very from the very beginning. And I said yes. I should become a psychiatrist. This is, this is what I wanted. Mm. And, and then I, I recognized, <laughs> I didn't know anything about psychiatry at the time. I was like, oh, I guess I have to go to medical school. <laughs> I guess I have to be a doctor. So, so, and I had, I mean, I hadn't taken pre-med stuff and I, I hadn't. So I was like, oh, this is what you got to do. So yeah, I mean, by God's grace. Yeah, I, I did. I did well in school and I was able to get to med school and kind of went that direction. But yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, how, how does my faith inform my, my interest and kind of my clinical care in psychiatry, um, I I I love this idea that that um, that God has created us in His image, and His image is triune. Mm. And and so when that comes through in 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 terms of in terms of the way that He makes us, I think we need to approach it that way. Mm. I think we need to we need to appreciate. Um, kind of the inviolability of, of personhood. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, in, in one, one way that that might differentiate the way that I see people and, you know, someone who doesn't have that kind of background or that kind of faith is, you know, I don't see personhood as constructive. I don't see personhood as, you know, you just have enough of this and enough of this. I see it as essential. Mm. Um, It's an essential part of, us, like of me, of you, like, and that's that's where we begin. And so, I think whenever I'm able to work with somebody clinically, especially in psychiatry, having that perspective, I think is is extremely helpful because mental illness, um, in so many ways, detracts from who we are and our personality and it kind of distorts things and maybe our thoughts are different from where they ordinarily would be or maybe uh, you know the anxiety is crippling or the motivation is gone or we're having thoughts that are entirely alien to what we would ordinarily think um, or even after surgery or you know in medical settings where you're delirious and you don't know where you are and who you are and you're acting impulsively and family is like you know that's not my loved one and to recognize that that's a person and that person is valuable Mm. and of infinite value. I mean, that, that to me is, is a place to start. And honestly, yeah, I mean, I, it, I struggle to imagine what it would be like to, to care for somebody in those kinds of states. If, if you didn't have that kind of unquestioned foundation about what persons are,
1: yeah, that's good. I love how you put that into perspective from like the theology of the Trinity to the th- theology of us. I think that's a, a really fresh and, and wise way of of looking at people. And, you know, by the way, I love this because I'm used to sitting in your seat being grilled by Aaron. And so, like, I'm loving having to answer or ask all the questions and just sit back and be like,
0: I'm going to let you answer this. This is, this you know, but I, I've, I've been listening to the podcast from like day one. And honestly, it was weird when we began. Like, I didn't hear like the little ditty, like the little music. So uh-huh. that was weird. And two, Aaron's not here. And I don't know. Like, I'm. I. I don't know. Like, I. I feel like Aaron should be here because, like, I was hen fan. Like, I was part of the Henrietta family camp. Like, I don't know, man. Aaron, you need to let. I know you're watching, watching
1: this. He is. Watching I'm just saying, him. man. I feel, I, I feel let down, man. He abandoned us, right? <laughs> Hard topic. Did. And where's Aaron? He's on vacation. Come on. I mean, man. yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's taking a sabbatical. I don't know what he's doing, I, man. I, he's seriously, like he's what's out. happening here? Oh man! Anyway, so okay, you you listen to Sunday's message, and you know when it when it comes to depression, from like the medical side, from you know your expertise, what do you think is is, is important for people to know about depression, um, from that medical side, from also a spiritual side as well? Yeah. Um, so the word depression is.
0: It's elastic in the way that we use it very often. So we, I think, we put a lot into the word depression, and we ask a lot of the word depression. Um, and and I think um, we in the, in the in the medical and mental health side of things, we use that word kind of in very distinct ways. And so, you know, in in the message that you brought, um, you were talking about kind of a lethal absence of hope. Yep. And, and, you know, I think from a spiritual perspective, that's true. I mean, like when, although not all depression is caused by spiritual factors, I mean, not all, you know, not all depression, we can talk about misconceptions in a moment, but, you know, although you know, not all depression is caused by a moral failing and you can't just play yourself out of depression and just do enough, you know, spiritual disciplines and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm better. Um, It is, I think the other side of it needs to be acknowledged, which is all depression affects your spiritual walk.
1: Hmm. It doesn't
0: matter what caused the depression. But if you have, if you're in a state of depression, if you are kind of dismayed, if you're just, you know, despairing, um, my goodness, like that, that is something that's going to affect the way you see God, you're going to, you're going to ask questions, you're going to doubt, you're going to not going to have the motivation to kind of be in prayer and the word, you're not going to be in community. Those are things that affect you and your soul and your kind of spiritual well being. So I think all depression does stifle the work of Christ mm-hmm. in in our lives, and it and it distorts it. From the medical and kind of the mental health perspective side, um, I guess the word depression has a number of different definitions, and maybe we can dive into these in a little bit as well. But um, just kind of high level, so depression at the at the simplest level is it's a symptom, right? So depression is I feel depressed. Yep. Um, and and so that's just kind of being sad, kind of blues. That that can that's kind of a spectrum. A little depressed, a lot depressed. But then when you kind of move into emotional states, um, you're talking about kind of a state of being in which the depression touches everything. Mm. Um, and kind of, there are two, what we think about as kind of cardinal symptoms of depression being one is depression and another is kind of the inability to experience pleasure Mm. and kind of the inability to kind of engage with things that would ordinarily give a person a sense of value and meaning. And those are just kind of like they're washed Mm. of their value and they feel bland. So those are kind of like key features, but then, then the question is, you know, what is that condition, and so we we talk in terms of you know major depression. We talk about bipolar disorder, and you can kind of be manic on one side or depressed on the other, and perhaps some mixture in between. Um, you could be depressed because of addiction. I mean, like substances, chronic use of substances can contribute to depression. Yep. There are prescription medications like corticosteroids. If you're taking them at high doses for extended periods they can cause depression. Hmm. There are medical conditions like you know, low thyroid that can cause depression. So, um, So when we think about the medical and the mental health side of things, it's a symptom, but we also really want to understand, is it something clinically significant that we need to address and something that we can really identify the cause to the best of our ability and then begin kind of strategizing, okay, how do we manage this? What are the next steps? How do we work that up? How do we understand this and how do we help that
1: person? Yeah. And what was interesting to me when we talked on the phone is we use one word to categorize, you know, a huge spectrum of Mm -hmm. things. And it's, it's hard because, you know, someone who deals with a small dose of depression, we call it depression. And then when someone who is, dealing with like major depression we call it you're depressed like both they're both the same word and it's so hard can you give me some like you know nuances for people who are wondering like where am i at on that spectrum how how do we like what are like warning signs or things that i'm looking for to know like hey this is a small dose. This is a medium dose. And this is, Hey, you know, I don't know exactly how we look at it from the medical side, but kind of give me some, some clarity to that, that spectrum. Got it. No, that, that's good. Um, so uh, let's
0: see. So I'll, I'll cite the DSM because that's kind of where we go for diagnostic kind of categorization. So the DSM is the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders it's a Long name, but we just call it the DSM. Currently, the most the, the most recent version is DSM five, uh, and essentially to diagnose uh, and let's and this is um, a primary depression. This is not where you know this is not you know um, let's say due to a medical condition. It's not an addiction. Things like that. Um, you know we there are criteria that we look at specifically, and the criteria help us understand a bit about. Uh, you know, one, kind of defining what the experience is. And two, it also helps us in the purposes of research to understand, well, people who have these symptoms respond to these kinds of interventions. And so Mm -hmm. it's just a way to standardize things. So it's not, there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing yet. It's just so that we can be reliable in the science of what we do. And I should also clarify that nothing here that I'm saying is formally kind of a treatment recommendation, but just kind of general comments about how we might approach kind of um, uh, understanding depression. And so people people have probably been asked similar questions of what I'm gonna mention, you know, when they go see their primary care doctor and stuff like that. But essentially things like sleep changes would be kind of important to consider. So, you know, people who have depression can sleep way too much. Or maybe they can't sleep at all. And again, wake up in the morning early in the morning and they can't get back to sleep. And that's that's a common feature of depression. Again, not all of these mean you have depression. They're just things that in total come together. Um, you could have, as I already talked about, you know, there's decreased interest in things that you would ordinarily do, things that you might ordinarily, you know, hobbies, interests, hanging out with friends, although in COVID, my goodness, we don't even have that opportunity these days as much as we would like to, or sports, um, uh, people who have, you know, significant depression very often feel guilty and they don't really understand why they feel guilty that they're not kind of meeting their roles, like Mm -hmm. their obligations and things. And so that really wears on them and kind of, it's, it's a burden. Um, People get depressed can very often have changes in energy. So either just no energy and like no energy to get things done, or maybe they have kind of a restless nervous energy. That's kind of a, kind of a a different way that it can look. Um, Also concentration can be diminished. So people, uh, you know, just through the course of their day, they're trying to do things and they're just facing out. And it's like, man, I just can't like, I can't focus. I just, I just, I got to take a break. I got to stay. And it's just kind of that persisting fog, almost like disconnected in some ways. Appetite can change. People eat way too much, no appetite at all. Mm. Those are also possible. And um, yeah, just some people just kind of feel like they don't have the ability to get up. They just kind of move slowly. And, and, and sometimes you know, they are moving slowly and a lot of these changes can be subtle. And essentially they don't even recognize that it's happening. And it's really other people who, who love them and know them. They're like, this isn't you. Like, I know this is different. And often, you know, the person who's experiencing it, you know, like, oh no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I think some of the, so those are kind of the symptoms. And really, it's really a number of the symptoms and the severity of those symptoms that yep. we would look at to kind of grade as kind of a kind of a milder thing, or is it kind of a more of a severe thing And in the very severe cases. And, you know, thankfully, it's less common as we get toward the severe side. Um, people can become, you know, nihilistic and delusional on that side of things. Yep. Um, so it definitely can be severe. And certainly people can, you know, think about giving up. As well, and have unsafe thoughts about hurting themselves. Um, so, so certainly those those are all really important um, considerations along along the spectrum yeah. of what you might look at.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy is I think this year, I believe this everybody dealt with a little bit of depression, right? I I, I have no stats to back that theory up. By the way, it's a hypothesis that probably I'm, I'm just. I'm just assuming that maybe it's because of my own journey and what, what I wrestled through, but I just think everybody's, whether it's just a small dose or a large dose, I think this year has been really hard from the mental health perspective. And, you know, as, as people navigate depression, what are some suggestions that you would have to help people in the midst of it, to help others with it, because whether we're dealing with it or we have a friend dealing with it, um, what, what would be some medical suggestions that you have? And I get you're 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 not offering treatment to people. This is a podcast, everybody. But yeah. um, what would you suggest? Uh, yeah. So
0: no social media. Can I say that? Is that fair? No, I, mean, I mean this is going to be posted on social get, say media. Say it again. Say it again. I mean, I mean this is this this is going to be posted on social media, I imagine. I like like after you listen to this, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> so just completely stop it. Yeah, man, social media is just a bear these days. Oh man. Oh, and and the algorithms will give you only the things that you want. Yeah. And like that you care like and so like now it just oh man it's just really hard to have conversations like that are honest and you know like open and so okay so that's number one that's a practical everyday advice if you're dealing with depression or not if you're feeling you just just try cutting it out for a little bit um so but a couple of ideas so number one yeah i i do want to um you know from the spiritual side of things um I would definitely say spiritual principles always apply. Everything should be run through the truth of scripture. I mean, like that is the the foundation of kind of approaching things. And so I would say, you know, someone, you know, who, that's going to be your, that's going to be your tether, essentially.
1: Uh, I I pause you there too. I love that you said that because you know, I I think people in life love to just automatically separate medical from spiritual, but Mm -hmm. I believe these two play hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. You know, God designed us. He gave people like you a mind to study our bodies. And I just think that's so important for people to understand that, yes, there are times where you have to disconnect the two, right? But I just think they play beautifully because God is our creator. He knows our bodies better than anybody. And so, He should be that first source. Anyway, I interrupted you, but I love that you said that. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think spiritual principles, step one, like that's kind of foundational. But I mean, beyond that, uh, I mean, so, so these might be things that I would kind of be thinking about and things that are kind of helpful in general. So, let's say if you know, like you know somebody and they're going through depression and I'm not gonna qualify how bad that it was, a little depression, a lot of depression, it was just kind of adjusting to things and not even really clinical depression. But I mean, I think being there for people is like critical. I mean, if, if, if COVID has taught us one thing, it's that, that we are meant to be in community. I mean, we, we, we think that we are so independent and individualistic, and we think that we got this all taken care of, but like, just think about everything in your life. Like you didn't build the house you live in, you didn't build the car that you drive, you didn't, you know, make your own clothes, then you did. But like, probably not, <laughs> I mean- You're Amish I mean, if you did. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but, but it's true, right? Like, so so we are, like, we, are, we need to be interdependent. Like we're not independent, we're not fundamentally dependent on people, we should be interdependent. I think that's kind of the goal of health to be interdependent. And so, yeah, I mean, just the communal piece, you know, being in community, being in relationship, that's going to be critical to, you know, have someone to kind of help kind of get you kind of thinking clearly and kind of helping you kind of test through some of your ideas. And, you know, we have some weird ideas at times. And so, and being in community is going to be helpful in that regard. I mean, I guess when you kind of get more toward the kind of a clinical depression, I mean, honestly, I would say talk to your doctor about it. Talk to, you know, because primary care doctors are honestly the most common place where mental health care kind of begins. And so one of the things that my subspecialty does is actually coordinates with and integrates with um, primary care specialties. And so um, essentially, uh, we, we in psychiatry really want to support um, mental health care through you know, providers in the community and, and um, because we recognize that there aren't enough of us. like I, I, There aren't enough psychiatrists, psychologists, and what have you to kind of meet the needs. And so, so they're, they're, uh, primary care doctors are definitely kind of in a triage kind of position. And so there are people who can do the screening and they can mm. kind of do the medical workup and say, hey, you know, is there something else here that we need to be thinking about um, you know, what 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 makes sense? And so when, when a person has depression, then the kind of question is, well, how do we treat it? Mm. And so there are a number of options that are, we would say, evidence-based options. And so there are medication options, and then there are therapy options. And the interesting thing about mild to moderate depression, kind of barring the severe cases where people are, you know, let's say... You know, is not getting out of bed and not even wouldn't make it to a therapy appointment, or they're like, you know, they're actually delusional. Um, you know, barring those instances, mild to moderate depression tends to respond, um, and this is based on um, the, the, the treatment guidelines for the American Psychiatric Association, as well as the American Psychological Association, responds to a number of medications or a number of Mm-hmm. therapies. And so there's a, a range of medications you could consider. There are actually a number of psychotherapies that are available, like CBT or cognitive therapy or interpersonal psychotherapy. Um, there are a few others. So I mean there are a lot of treatments available. And I would say, yeah, I mean if if a person's struggling with it, I, I would say absolutely go go talk to somebody who has expertise in that. Yeah. who might be able to help walk through and clarify things. And so in the same way, for instance, that, you know, you go to the, to the doctor and you're like, yeah, I, I don't really know if, you know, if, if, the, if this constellation of symptoms should be worrying. Now <laughs> people go to the doctors and ask about all sorts of right. symptoms, And I mean, everybody here has, has probably done that before. Right. And so it's like, should I worry? Yeah. Um, I mean, symptoms in the mind and symptoms in the body i mean like they all are symptoms and the question is are those symptoms things that deserve our attention mm-hmm. and that that really rise to the level of hey this is clinically significant um hey i'm not able to kind of fulfill my role obligations like i'm not able to do the things that i would do I, i'm like really distressed and i really can't focus uh hey i mean those are things that warrant treatment and mental health is
1: absolutely critical mm-hmm absolutely critical. I think it's so important that you say this because there's a stigma out there with Christians, I believe, that it's almost as if I don't have enough faith in my life because I'm having depression. And to go to a doctor feels wrong because me and God should be able to tackle this. Mm -hmm. But then with our bodies, when something goes wrong in our body, we don't hesitate to go to the doctor. And I want to break that stigma of mental mm-hmm. health. It's okay as a Christian to struggle mm-hmm. with mental health, with mm-hmm. depression and go see your doctor and say, Hey, are there, is there medicine? Is there, you know, science behind what I'm struggling with and how can we, we do this with our bodies all the time? And so I don't know why, and maybe you can speak mm-hmm. to this a little bit. Maybe you've seen this is why Christians believe that with this stigma of depression, that going to the doctor feels like I'm just I'm I'm letting God go and I'm now going to a yeah. doctor. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, no,
0: that's 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 a good one. Wow. I mean, I, I can't I can't count the number of hours that I have wrestled with that question. Um, so for starters, one of the first books I ever got in the psychiatry space was Psychoheresy, which which is this Christian, which is this Christian book saying how psychiatry was heresy. Um So, I mean, I, I thought, I thought, I thought I should read it. I thought I should read it. And, um, I mean, I disagree. I mean, honestly and humbly, but, but respectfully, I disagree. Um, I think, you know, that, that mental health care and psychiatry, you know, are not incompatible with faith. I don't, they're not incompatible with the gospel. Let me, let me, I really want to nail this down real quick and then I'll kind of explain, I think why maybe some people feel that way. Uh, you know, one, in the, early, in the early Christian church, one of the common heresies, and this actually was a heresy, was Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. And it was this idea that the body was, and that the material world was evil, and that what was immaterial was pure and holy and that works its way into some very subtle crevices of our thinking. Yep. I think that subtle, there's a subtle touch of that these days when it comes to, you know, Christian communities and thinking about mental health. Like, I'll go so far as to recognize that I'll go to the doctor for, you know, if my pancreas is inflamed. Or like pancreatitis, you know, or if I have pneumonia, but if I am, and then fill in the blank, if it has anything to do with kind of mental health, wow, I don't know, they're going to, they're going to go kind of trying to convert me or something, you know, or like, they're going to start. Yes, we absolutely should be discerning. Yes. And there are some theories that deserve scrutiny yep. and they deserve circumspection. So you don't check your mind when you go in to see any clinician. Um But nevertheless, I think that's that's part of it. And and I think the the strongest argument that I could make in defense of this, we already kind of talked about the idea of kind of the Trinity here. But but I think even, you know, the incarnation. Right. So in the beginning was the word the word with God, the word it the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, like became flesh. Like God is about restoring the body. Like Jesus is eternally united with us and wants to be one with us yeah. through the material body that he created. Like we are in his image. And and so God is about restoring. God is about, you know, kind of bringing all things back to Shalom, right? I mean, all things were broken in the fall, but God is about restoring that. And so I think, you know, if, uh, if the body can you know, have failures in other organs and other functions that I don't, I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't also recognize and appreciate mm-hmm. the richness that God gives us in our, in our mind and the ways in which kind of appreciating it from an embodied perspective might bring. And, and I will say again, and, and, and fascinatingly, and this is kind of comes from neuroscience Right. So again, I'm saying, you know, mild and moderate depression can respond to medications and psychotherapy. And in fact, there are studies showing that psychotherapies, you know, pre post before and after brain physiology can change. And so it's fascinating that even, you know, the experience of psychotherapy can change the way that the mind works and the brain is physiologically processing neural impulses. Mm. So there is this interplay that genuinely we don't understand in great detail. And we have some, you know, glimmers of understanding, but, but again, I, I, I would just say uh, the two are not inimical mental health and faith in the gospel. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, they, they inhabit the same world that God created.
1: Mm. Wow. That, that's good stuff. And I think that's super helpful for a lot of people just because I, I don't know why I think that stigma is out there. And I, I, I like breaking that stigma and, you know, I think there is a full approach that falls under faith, right, that we can take as as Christ followers. Um, so let's get let's get a, a little bit personal. Right. So you 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 deal with the mind all the time. But let's talk about your mind for a second. Have mm-hmm. you have you ever dealt with, you know, any bouts of depression or darkness? Have you ever walked through a season? Um, you know, you, you heard my story today and, and some mm-hmm. of my struggle. Have you have you battled with it at all? Yeah, no, it's a, it's
0: a fair question. Um, By the grace of God, I have not. Um, I I have not. Now I will say though, uh, yeah, I mean, mental health conditions really don't discriminate. I mean, they can happen to anyone, anywhere. And it's like, where did this come from? Sometimes you can kind of chart it back and kind of be like, oh, you know, it was probably from, and then you can kind of map that out. And, And obviously we want to understand to the best of our ability, what, contributed to that but sometimes they just happen Mm. and i can say although i haven't personally i do have very close family members who have Mm. and and so it definitely has been in kind of a number of family members and and close friends and so yeah i mean there is a big difference between providing care in a clinical setting and uh being in relationship with somebody mm. who is battling, wrestling, and, and, and it's real. I mean, uh, it, what, what often happens, at least in my experience, and this is kind of stories that I've heard as well, so I'm kind of blending both clinical and personal here in saying this, but it often starts really subtle. Like, it often starts with maybe an untoward comment or something wasn't done that was going to be done. Or maybe it was like just a look, <laughs> something simple. Yeah. And then like, you're just like, that's not normal, but like, okay, like maybe, and then you kind of start. And you know, the, the title of this, you know, this series is mind game, right? So like you start creating, like I'm saying, I'm starting creating these mind games. Like, you know, is that like what I really see that? Did I not? And then, you know, then as it, as it progresses, you know, it, it just, it unfolds in a way where things kind of slip and, you know, just people kind of drift. And then, you know, it just feels like you're trying to kind of overcome a chasm to kind of connect. So, so yeah. Um, and, and another part of depression that can be really tough, and this is kind of something that, you know, um, family members have have battled with is there's an, there are many different types of depression. So depression can feel different, look different. Some can be more irritable. Some can be more anxious. Some can be kind of more, um, uh, you know, um, melancholic or kind of just um, really lacking energy and really dark. But, but you know, some, one, one model of depression, one kind of depression can, you know, be kind of anger turned inward. That's kind of a historical idea of understanding depression, that depression is anger turned inward. It's an introjective kind of, angled toward the person. And it's really amazing how when a person has an experience, and this is true of so many mental states, the way that they see themselves and the way that they experience themselves in, a, you know, in relation to other people, they can be like, oh yeah, those people see me as worthless. Those people think that I'm a failure. Those people, and those are the kind of mind games that the person is having in their mind when they're going through, let's say, kind of this kind mm-hmm. of depression. And and then they'll treat other people like they believe they see them. And they're almost like inducing, they're getting people to enact mm. that internal belief. And so, so very often we get people to kind of conspire with us. And I can say kind of personally, like I've, I've seen that play out mm. in my own, you know, in, in with, with, with family members where that, where that's happened. And it's like, I've got to check myself because it happens like so subtly initially. And then it just kind of, and then you're like, Oh my goodness. And then someone kind of, if something happens you're like, I missed it. I'm like, here I am. Like I do this for a living. I'm like, I missed it. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't take it out. I mean, I, I don't hold it against anyone for not appreciating it because it's not something that like you don't go to school to learn about, you know, what is depression? You know, you don't, you don't go to school to learn about what is anxiety. I mean, Mm -hmm. just another experience. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and, and even when you do, there's the huge difference between an appreciating at an intellectual level
1: and kind of living it out um, in, in relationship. Yeah. So we, we've talked about, you know, people struggling with depression, kind of the different levels of depression, how we the indicators and nuances of the spectrum of depression. But I think a, a really important question is talking to people who maybe fit in your shoes. Right. Haven't struggled with it, but have friends or family members or people in their community group that are wrestling through depression or fighting it or battling with it. What would you say, how do you be a good friend for people who are battling depression? Like what, what, what makes a good Mm -hmm. friend, uh, a good community group leader, a good just spouse or whatever it is Mm -hmm. uh, to someone who is battling and facing depression? Yeah. Um,
0: Let's see here. So, um, I have I have several thoughts in my head at
1: once, and they're just spiraling. So let me let me let me let me pick a few. That's never happened um, to me, by the way. There's usually only one singular thing <laughs> throwing through here.
0: So yeah. So this is um. Let me. I, I'll zoom out for a moment. Um, th- there is in in being in relationship with somebody who has depression. Um, there is a tension that exists, that, that should be, I don't want to say should be front and center, but it should be explicit. It should be something we think about. So on the one hand, if, if you're talking to somebody who has depression and and, and this is something that, uh, well, if you're talking to someone who has depression and, and you just meet them in that depression and you just you emotionally resonate with them in that state of depression and you're just at that level. There is no space for growth. Um, it, 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 it's not, it doesn't create kind of that differential that, that helps pull them Mm. and inspire them Mm. and give them that hope to see that this isn't where we live. Mm. This is where we are. Yes. Yes. But this isn't this isn't the goal. And then on the other hand, if you're kind of this inveterate, you know, encourager and you're just always, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, like you know, yeah. and just really, really like this one hit joy wonder um, that's not going to resonate. And they're just going to be like, you don't get it. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, depression is just like you had described in in the message like you can feel like you're like drowning. it can feel like things are spiraling, it can feel heavy, it can feel confusing. it can feel, you know you can, anger and it can come out as anger and it can come mm-hmm. out as you know oh, so many things. Um, uncertainty. Um, and so yeah, I think there, there there needs to be one kind of this honest, approach that says I hear you mm. and I, I I'm I don't I don't want to move beyond you like I want to be here with you um and 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 to be kind of open and hospitable to the pain and to the to the struggles while at the same time never sitting there mm. not just resting there wow. giving the sense of potential and again this kind of gets sight of hope and you know when, when when depression sets in and this is a kind of this is an interesting part of how mental illness plays out. Mental illness stands in the way of its own healing. So often
1: Mm, it opposes
0: it. So the person with depression doesn't have the motivation to get better. And so, you know, David, you know, you were saying, you know, David was like, he didn't want to stay there. A lot of people with depression, when it gets like moderate to severe, like they, they're okay to stay there. Like, and it's not because they want to, right. it's, It's not, it's not like, Hey, I like this. It's, Oh my goodness. Like, this is where I am. Mm-hmm. This, is where I'm a lot, this is where I am. Right. So, so like um, it, it can, it, so the depression, lack of motivation, people have anxiety, like, you know, they're, they're anxious. And so they don't want to face it. And so then they avoid it and they avoid it. Then it just kind of stays there. The phobia mm-hmm. stays there. Um, it, it, and this is true for addiction, right? So people yeah. who have addiction and also falling into the mental health kind of um, kind of category, you know, people use substances, for specific reasons. I mean, there is something they're getting from that relationship Mm -hmm. with the substance. And so, again, they often oppose their own healing. And so, yeah, being present with that person and creating the draw that creates reality, that grounds them, and that is kind of, in a sense, kind of motivating to
1: and, and inspiring a sense of hope. Mark, I hope people heard that, that like, man, I just think that was straight up wisdom. So like this, if I'm a good community group leader, if I'm a good friend, there's this balancing act mm-hmm. of empathizing mm-hmm. and inspiring, right? So, mm-hmm. and you, 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 it, that's, that's a very incredibly fine line and nuanced thing, right? I, I get this because, you know, with my dad dying, my mom moved into our basement Okay. And so I got to watch my mom mourn the loss of her husband for 50 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the most incredibly hard thing for me was after, you know, six months to a year Mm -hmm. was knowing when to comfort and knowing when to push. Right. Mm -hmm. That was one of the hardest journeys for me with my mom was like, there will be days where we're like, Hey, we're going out. We want you to come. And she was like, no, I don't want to and knowing when to be like no mom you need to or no you should stay yeah. and just in mourn like and i i i feel like i've experienced that 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 nuance and you don't always get it right one thing i want to you know give people the freedom as you nap like you're not going to always know the right thing you, you that's where god gives you wisdom you pray about it but that's yeah. a really hard fine line of like okay does this person need you know love and and just me to be here. Or does this person need me to say, Hey, it's time to take a step. You're opposing yeah. that step of healing that you need any, any wisdom you got on like how, you know, when to take that to push. And when you, you just comfort, or is that just kind of like a read in the moment, trust the Lord, pray for wisdom, let the spirit lead, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let the Spirit lead. Um,
0: no, I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to think this out loud. I, I don't know if I have, you know, like a good, you know, barometer about that. I mean, I think clinically, you know, if I'm I'm working with somebody and I I can kind of appreciate kind of where they are, I think, um, you know, relationships work as kind of micro rupture and repair, like everything we do in relationships, like we always misstep in little ways, Mm -hmm. but it's really the nature of a healthy relationship to appreciate when we've misstepped. Um, and so I, I do feel like, you know, there, there is, there is a give and take, there is a push and pull. There is, you know, maybe, maybe we're pushing too hard and, but, but, but we can appreciate it and we recognize it and we kind of course correct. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think in, in most instances again, and so I want to make a kind of a distinction between kind of, you know, let's say clinical depression and kind of, You know, you know, experiences in life where we lose, you know, people that we love and just are part of us, right? Um, you know, so I do want to make a distinction. So, you know, I I in a clinical setting, there there might be different priorities on a little different setting and a little different goals. And and there, there that that kind of doctor-patient relationship or therapist client relationship, that's gonna have certain boundaries as well. So that sometimes you can kind of rely on those boundaries Mm -hmm. and the parameters to understand when to push and when not to push. Mm -hmm. Um, And that should be part of the actual conversation and the therapy itself. Um, But I think it can also be helpful whenever it comes to dynamics that are unhelpful. I think being open about the dynamic and naming it, like, and having an open conversation about the dynamic can bring it into the forefront and bring it into focus because oftentimes we're kind of looking through glasses and we're like and wait 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 how do i fix that well let's look at the glasses first are the glasses the right prescription and so i think sometimes if we look at the glasses themselves and the perspective that we're taking maybe that's part of the navigation itself and and just being honest with the person and saying hey you know i mean you know i i want to help I want to support you. I love you. I care about you. Um, I don't know what the right answer is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about it. Like, I, I feel like I, I, on the one hand, I I really want to push, like I want to see you kind of get back to and whatever it is that you really want for that person. Um, And I think there's so much that, that, that you could gain with this, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I want to be sensitive to where you are and, let's and, and maybe maybe having that conversation itself could could be helpful
1: mm. dude i i think that conversation right there it just is going to help a ton of people who maybe they don't struggle with depression right now but they know people i think that's gold like i think your wisdom there is going to help a lot of christ followers help people navigate that like and I, I get that's it's a hard tension that a lot of people face but man, that, that wisdom that you shared, I think is, is going to be really helpful for people. All right. I got one more question for you. Okay. We'll wrap this up. So this is kind of a big arching question, right? Okay. Okay. So what do you wish every Christian understood about mental health? Yeah. Um,
0: let's see here. Uh, what do I wish everybody? Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat a couple of things that I that I said earlier. I think I don't know that I have anything that I'm gonna add to that what I've already said. But what I would say is mental health is essential. Mental health is the currency with which we engage our lives, the people that we love, the jobs that we you know our, our professions, our callings. Mental health is kind of necessary for us to be able to have. A faith relationship. Like you've got to have clear thinking to be able to know, you know, God, God you know, when, when we think about, when we think about, you know, uh, I just, I love in John one, right. So, you know, the, the word is logos, lo, lo, the word it's narrative. Like God is speaking. God spoke the world into existence. Mm. He used words yep. to transact his power in his creative influence, right? Jesus is the Logos, the word who speaks and who was such a complete word that he was not merely a word, he became flesh. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak flesh into existence, that's God. So when it comes to mental health, you know, we need, I mean, the, the ability to tell ourselves honest, truthful you know, resonant stories that are engaged with truth and grace. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of like ground level for understanding, um, ourselves for understanding other people. So I would say, yeah, I mean, a couple of kind of misconceptions real quick, I guess, like you can't pray yourself just like you, you you just, you're not just going to pray yourself out of, you know, severe depression. Yep you know mental health is not you know again mental health care and mental health is not contradictory to faith and the gospel yep um and i think yeah i mean and 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 psychiatrists are not scary people <laughs> so i think mean, we're not all freudians we don't all have couches we don't all do Rorschach tests. Wait, you, don't, you don't have one of those, like, l- cool, like, lounge chairs? I think they're called Chez Long. Oh, okay. I think they're, they're called Chez Long. I think, I, I hope that's how they're this <laughs> French word. I Yeah, the, by the way, the whole reason, I think the whole reason that they actually originally create, like, that Freud and other folks used it was because so they didn't actually, like, they weren't eye to eye. Like, they could, like, free associate. <laughs> just so they didn't look at each other. <laughs> I think mean, the whole purpose for it is the, the association thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I guess one of the things that all that I, I just, one quote that comes to mind here that might, might kind of cinch some of this is, um, uh, and this is GK Chesterton. I love GK Chesterton mm-hmm. he is just, is, is brilliant. And I'm paraphrasing it. Um, you know, for the Christian, Joy is foundational and sorrow is peripheral, Mm. because for the Christian, the fundamental questions of life are answered, and and it's not to say that joy. Joy is one of the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, and so. I mean, like, joy is a fruit of the spirit, and and honestly, um, yeah, it's not to say that the Christian is immune to depression. Not at all. I mean, not not at all. I mean, we we live in a fallen world, but I, I, I just personally speaking from faith and speaking kind of from my own experiences and just kind of walking with so many people through this. Yeah. I mean, having, having a tether, having a foundation Mm. and understanding that, you know, this is, uh, that, that life has meaning life is valuable, um, is, is the thing that gives hope. It is the grounding that gives hope. And we have hope through, through the gospel, and
1: through the resurrection which we just celebrated. I mean that that's a reason to celebrate forever. Yeah. Well, hey Mark, I can't tell you how thankful I am for your wisdom and for how God uses you each and every day and how he's gifted you. And I just believe this, I think God is going to use this podcast in 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 many people's lives. And so I would say to all our listeners if you're struggling, um with depression or you're dealing with somebody, reach out to us. We want to be a church that helps people navigate that. Don't be afraid to go see your doctor. And if, if you feel like it's time to go to, to your doctor, ask questions. And man, if we can pray for you, be there for you, please let us know. Um, I'm hoping that you'll get to hear from Dr. Mark more and more as we continue to talk about the, these topics. Next week, we're talking about lust. So we are going to talk about how lust sits in our mind and how that affects our everyday lives and how we battle with that. And so, hey, let us know uh, how impactful this was. We'd love to hear from you. So tell us um, what questions you have and and how this has impacted your life. Thanks for tuning in to a little better. We love you guys, and we'll be back next week.